What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, I think we're still in keeping with spellcrafting. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think it's still a little bit of the science of For spellcrafting. Sure. Right? So we're talking about sigils today. And specifically, Sigil Witchery by Laura Tempest Zakroff. This book came out in 2019. At least my copy is from 2019. So we've really jumped, huh? We've Jumped. come all the way pretty much to today Yes, with this book. Um, she's the author of a bunch of things, too. Um, she's written The Witch's Cauldron, The Craft, Lore, and Magic of Ritual Vessels. She's done blogs for Patheos. She's an artist, author, dancer, designer. Um, and she's also contributed her artwork to The Witch's Almanac and The Witch's Companion that's put out by Llewellyn's. So she's all over the place in yeah. a great way. Um, and... Well, you know, I guess we should just dive in. I don't know. That's that's pretty much all I have as far as her bio. So let's see. You know, off the bat, the one thing that I want to say is I have a lot of older books that are just sigils. Like usually when you, Mm -hmm. in the past, you would buy books, photocopies, whatever, of like known sigils, sigils that have been tested through time that come from different traditions, from voodoo, hoodoo, uh, Kabbalistic, um, you know, you name it, it's been like compiled and people have used these different uh, sigils. This book is nice because it gives you a history of sigils, tells you what it is, and it takes you through the steps of actually creating your own. So for somebody who's new to sigils, this is a great book. It's like, it's a workbook more than just, you know, a yeah. book. And she really does like the history of sigils like this. This is right up my alley as a book because there's so much obvious research. It's so clearly, mm. you know, well-researched and, and well-organized in that research. The whole first couple of chapters, honestly, explain in this very sort of logical and analytical way the history of symbolism, which I think for a lot of people is so abstract and so artistic that having this really just logical breakdown of how symbols have developed over time throughout the world gives you a really good grasp on what the point of a sigil is in the first place. Um, she even like defines what's a sign, what's a symbol, what's a sigil. And so to see it so clearly stated, a sigil is a symbol that is supposed to have magical or spiritual meaning, I think opens up the world now from well, a sigil has to be something I got in a book or it has to come from this or that to now saying, no, a sigil is a symbol with a a magical or spiritual meaning. It could be so much more than that narrow definition that I think a lot of us start with. I also like that in one part of the book, and we'll get into that as we keep going, there's also a mathematical element if you want there to be. Yes, so this does not have to be something that's just, you know, I imagine the symbol or, you know, I'm going to reproduce nature and draw something. You don't have to even know how to draw to come up with a sigil that is personal, that is useful and effective. And um, I think it's, it's important when you look through her sigils as well, because she's obviously a talented artist. Like she includes yes. her art in the book and it's stunning. But some of the sigils that she includes are not like these high art pieces they are things that when I look at it, I go, I can do that. I have drawn things that look like that. And it's really comforting because especially online, especially like on Instagram or on Tumblr, when you see people creating sigils, a lot of times they're like intense pieces of artwork. And I love that, but I can't do it. And so it's nice right. to be validated in that, to be like, no, no, even though I'm a talented artist, sometimes my sigils look like a child drew them and that's okay. And it's good even. You know, it's funny because when it comes to sigils, I'm not a talented artist. So um, my symbols have to be very basic in their design. And yet once they're on um, and I posted them when I posted the thing that I did for you in the house, I feel they look really good. But that's because they're not, if I had to actually reproduce art, forget it. Like I I couldn't do it, you know? Um, And I feel confident in my sigil creation or whatever because I know I'm not trying to do something artistic so I agree with you I think that it was really good of her 
to show you, like, you don't have to be as talented as I am. Like, look, yeah. I can do this and this is going to work. This is going to be effective. I want to talk a little bit about her intro because I think it's important. I, I feel like a lot of people maybe don't even look at intros of books, but she defines modern traditional witchcraft or what the modern traditional witch is. Yes. You know I me. wrote a note. You know, I love my quotes. You did? What'd you write? I, I wrote a little note there because as I was reading it, I was like, I think this is the only thing that I wrote that I like didn't love about the book. Sometimes I just wish people would say my practice, you know, because I like I loved the way she explained modern traditional witchcraft. I think that I resonated with a lot of it. But I also know that there are people who will read that and go, well, that's not modern traditional witchcraft. That's not that's not how I understand it. So it's just I just sometimes want people to be like, this is the way that I see it. You know? Okay, but here's the thing. Yes, I know what you're saying. But I think because we don't, we're not organized, right? This is not an organized practice or for people who are religious, it's not an organized religion in that way. Um, And even if you say, well, yes, I'm in a coven and I follow Gardnerian. Yes, but Gardnerian, you're following it the way your coven follows it. It doesn't mean that there's like a coven elder that checks all the other covens that are Gardnerian to make sure that everybody's in line. That's not how this works. So she says... You know, I love my quotes, blending folklore, myths and practices of my complex and diverse heritage with the acknowledgement that I am a modern person living in the U.S. So what I think is important about it is that I agree with you. People are going to say that's not what it is, but we are relying so much on people telling us what to do still as witches and people who are opening a book and saying, oh, this person said it, so I'm going to follow this. She's saying she's blending practices uh, and diverse heritage. Her heritage, her acknowledgement that yeah. something came before her, that there are people in her life, in her culture. And, of course, she has to incorporate that with living here because most of us did not come from here. So you're incorporating what you know from your family, yeah. but then you're adapting it to the here and the now. And that's what it means to be modern and traditional. And I think that's important for people to think about, even if you don't agree with, um, because I think there's still too much misinformation and too many people saying, this is the way it is. So I agree with you. It should be, this is what I practice. But I, when, I, when I hear people like this, that to me promotes positivity yeah. in your your culture, I think that that's important to like raise up and just say, see, no one can, no one should put you down. If you were raised with X and you feel strongly about this and you want to incorporate that, you should. You shouldn't let go of X because yeah. you want to be Wiccan or you want to be, th- no, you want to be a modern witch. Um, I says, agree with you. I think that that sentence especially is something that I kind of glossed over when I read it, but like, mm-hmm. That's, I think, as close as we're going to get in these witch books to somebody explicitly stating everything that I'm doing is mine and I can't tell you to do it in my way. You have to do it in your own way. Like, this is the closest we're going to get to that disclaimer. Because I love it. She says, a witch is the one who walks between worlds, talks with the spirits and deities and manipulates the edges of consciousness. I freaking love that. Even if you don't work with deity... Um, it says talks with, not works yeah. with, which I like. And I think a lot of us, whether we call it deity or not, when you, once you're talking about nature, right, you're talking to something other. And I think that's yeah. awesome. Um, and over time, we learn, collect, and build our practices, ideas, and traditions. And I love that. And then she has the three keys to the witch's path. I don't know if you want to say something before we talk about the three keys, which I love. The older I get the less I like labels. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that is a thing that happens to people as they age or if it's just me, like, slowly entering this weird Zen mindset that I've been entering into where, like, things don't matter anymore. (laughs) But I I, I don't dislike what she's saying at all. You know, yes, this is a type of witch. But I'm almost at the point in my life where, like, the definition of the word witch means less to me than the word itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I think, you know, it's hard. During, I think we were always conscious of this, but I think during the pandemic, 
we've been involved in so many different virtual things. I've been involved yes. in so many different virtual things that I think if we're going to come together, we have to start accepting definitions in the label. Yeah. Because it, it just is everything. You know, um, and there's still too many factions out there attacking other factions, people who are yeah. not witches to call themselves something else attacking witches. So I think, I think we have to be clear as to what we stand for so that people can understand it and maybe at some point release those labels and those definitions because they don't yeah. serve us, you know. Um, so the three keys to a witch's path. Know thyself. So that means to be aware of your strengths and weaknesses, which I like. I feel like there's a lot of posturing out there. A lot of people say, I'm really good at, so and I posturing. do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm lousy at a lot of things. And I'll be the first one to admit it. Like somebody shows me a crystal and they go, what's this? I go, I don't know. You tell me. I don't know every crystal out there and what the association is. Sometimes Some I also do. think that like know thyself becomes like a badge that you can wear, especially in spiritual spaces. Like, oh, well, I do my shadow work. I'm aware that I have all of these problems. But like awareness is not the only thing. And I think that's, she says that very clearly. There's three keys. It's not just tell everybody how knowledgeable you are about your own self. There's more steps to this than just being cognizant of it, right? Me saying, you know, oh, I stubbed my toe does not make the pain of stubbing my toe go away. I'm still hurting from having (laughs) stubbed it. So I still have to deal with that. So then to say like the next steps, I think gives a much better whole picture than just being like, one of those spiritual people that states things as facts without dealing with them. I think that um, the more you get into this world, the more you can get wrapped up in what you do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, I was given this title. I did this. And it's like, okay, well, that's really nice for you. I don't believe in titles. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't I love know how nice you sound when you say it. It's like, oh, that's really, that's so <laughs> sweet. Congratulations. I love that for you. That's the whole thing. Like, because it's not organized, when people come at me with their titles, I'm like, okay, like, I don't function this way. Which space doesn't function this way? We don't care about titles. And, um, you know, and I I think it's really detrimental to the baby witches. And we definitely have a baby witch with us who I think every time we get together, and we didn't even talk about our Sarawin get together, but that's okay. Um, Every time we get together, I feel like she amazes us. Yeah. And I almost feel like I want to tell you guys, like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. she's awesome. She doesn't even know it. You know what I mean? She's still looking to, like, be validated when I want to say, girl, like, there's some things that you can do that we can't. Yeah. Like, really, like, own that. So I find it interesting the people that hang on to titles versus the people who I see as being really gifted and are like, yeah, I don't know anything. And I'm going, okay, you think you don't know anything, but damn girl, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think we've seen that more than once with, within our own, you know, yeah. group that we see that. Um, and we have no titles. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, every, mean? We, we say that you're the head witch in charge, but that's because you make plans. Right. It's just, <laughs> that's it's your job. Title. I organize. Your title is please text all of us <laughs> and remind us what the date is so that we can get there on time. If this was the office, I'm basically Angela in the party planning committee. That's what it is. That's really what my title should be. Not head rich in charge. It should be Angela from the office. Because that's basically, I'm the one who gets upset. I'm the one who like yeah. organizes everything. So that's really, that's really what that title, the definition is see Angela. That's basically all that. that is. Right? I think so the, the sec- second key leads into mm-hmm. what you're saying though. Because it's not just know yourself. It's not just either deify your titles or you know, I am Socrates and a wise man knows nothing. There's a balance there. You have to be able to say, I am good at some of these things and I am bad at other of these things. And this is how I make them work in my practice together. Right. Absolutely. Um, I also would take it another step further. All actions have a reaction. I think it's a nicer way of saying, you know, and ye harm none, do what mm-hmm. they will. Right. Right. Um, if you do something, be ready for whatever comes back. Yeah. So when you speak to somebody, especially somebody who's another witch, you know, watch that because words hurt more than if you slap somebody. I feel right. I, I feel attacked right now. 
Why? <laughs> Wait, why? I don't know. It's just it's just Scorpio looking at me through the camera like words hurt more than if you slap somebody. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, what did I do? <laughs> she gets real serious sometimes and I have to like be, pull back and be like, no, no, we're on the podcast. So I'll just like put my hands on my face to make sure I'm constantly smiling as I say this. Um, so yeah, so I, that's all I wanted to add to that. And then the last one, accept responsibility. Um, I'll mm-hmm. die on that hill. I will die on the hill of accept responsibility. And I think that this is not, it's not a witch thing. It's a human being thing, right? Exactly. I, as much as witches do, we, we do. We need to, <laughs> as a community, take a step back and recognize where we are responsible for certain things. But just people in general, you, when you do things, you need to be able to step up and say, I did this thing. You have to be able to own the choices that you made. And if you cannot do that, do not make that choice. Don't do it. If you can't live with that decision, you shouldn't make that decision. I think a lot of times there are people, especially, especially in witchcraft, where power gets to their head. And whether it's real power or perceived power or the desire for power, the desire to be seen as valuable gets to their head and they say things and they act certain ways and they, they, you know, write spell books full of love spells without any context in them, et cetera, et cetera. And then just let that live in the world. Don't have any context for like, Hey, I have done these things. I am affecting other people. I have a responsibility, right? How many, like, if you don't take responsibility, you're like one step away from a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, this is my hill. I'll die on this hill. Everybody needs to just I like. Own your shit. It sounds silly, right? It feels silly to say, because I feel like when you say it out loud, people are like, yeah, of course. But like, I think about myself and like, I like to gossip. We know this. I'm a Gemini. I enjoy gossiping. But I also am very straightforward with everybody about the fact that I enjoy gossiping. I'm not going to look at somebody and be like, oh, yeah, no, I never talk shit. That's a lie. That's not accepting responsibility. If I'm going to be the kind of person that gossips, I'm also going to be the kind of person that lets you know, yeah, this is who I am. Right. Like, I don't, I just don't sneak around. Don't you know, justify shit, accept responsibility for the things that you do and the life that you're living. That seems reasonable. I don't know. That just seems like a totally reasonable thing to me. No, I think it's reasonable too. I just don't think that enough people stop to think about it. Yeah. You know, um, they think about the big things. Like I take responsibility for the big things without thinking about stuff like that. Like you said, I love to gossip. And it's like, yeah, you know, but is there a line ever? Like, I know for me, there's a line. If somebody tells me something in confidence and they stop speaking to me or I stop speaking to them, I still don't gossip about it. It's like, that's just something that was never meant to be known. And I'm taking that to the grave. Yeah. You know, even if I hate you, I'm taking that to the grave. Absolutely. So anyway, so what is a sigil? This is the part. (laughs) I know. We got got a little tangent right there. I know. It was like, (laughs) no, but that's the next thing that comes up. She talks about what is a sigil. So her definition is, it's a carved, drawn, or painted symbol that is believed to have magical pr- properties. So, I love that she gives us a beautiful breakdown of how to pronounce the word sigil. Um, I just think that's yeah. adorable. Like, I have seen a, I have seen a number of people, including the dungeon master of one of my favorite live play D and D games, say sigil. Um, yeah. So it's just really nice to have that little, like, added into the book. Like, no, no, here's how you say it. I got you. It's not a sigil. Does this take you back to Persephone when you thought that Persephone was was Persephone when you were a kid? Yeah. Uh, I never, ever lived that down. And so now I care a lot about how things are pronounced. (laughs) I internalized that. See, this is me knowing myself and accepting responsibility. (laughs) Wow. See, (laughs) see how we can just teachable moment right there. So at the heart of sigil magic, I'm still reading her words, is the hand drawn mark lines, dots and colors that form a symbol to designate space, 
conjure events, provide instructions, or invoke spirits and deities. Um, what more can you want? And she says yeah. you should be able to do this at any point. You don't have to wait. This is one thing I love because we say this all the time. Don't wait for the stars to align. Don't wait for a moon mm -hmm. phase. You know, the will has to be focused and the need is great is what she says. Those are the ingredients that you need. And you can create a sigil and do your magic at any yeah. particular point. Yeah. She also compared this to computer technology. Did you catch I that? Loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Okay. So she, she says some folks may disdainfully call this approach low magic. However, if you compare magic to computer technology, it's the low-level coding that is closest to the source. I don't know that I have enough of a knowledge base on high versus low magic, but I will abs no don't ever shit on low magic because without low magic, we didn't have high magic. So, yeah, you did yes. I, yes, I liked it. I don't know what chapter it is that she talks about it, but she specifically references chaos magic and the the way that chaos magicians typically do sigils. And I think that it's important that we mention that because that's how most people see it online, I think, especially, is this idea of, like, you write out a sentence, you get rid of the vowels, you organize them all together. And it, that is a perfectly valid way to make sigils. That is a way that lots of people do it. It is not typically the way that I make sigils, and it is not the way that she suggests that you make sigils in this book, which I love. I don't, uh, I don't love chaos magic personally. That's not like the way that I do it, and so it's really nice to see a sigil book that is like there are other options, and here are some other options. Okay. Well, first of all, let's get back to knowing yourself. When we had the, not the opportunity, but when somebody mentioned taking a chaos magic course, the two of us were like, let's do this. So if you had the chance, not now, we're in a pandemic, oh, yeah. you would totally like, I love, okay, I'm not saying I love chaos magic, but I do like sometimes creating sigils that way, simply because you know, I like to write my spells. I like yes. to rhyme and all this nonsense with me. So for me, I kind of like doing stuff like that because then I create a symbol and I know what is said. I know what yeah. has been set as I created it. And it's those words are actually in the sigil. So for me, you know, but again, it's a totally personal thing. So I actually do enjoy doing my, my sigils that way because I feel the spell is more, um, okay, low magic, right? It's all the same. I'm not doing anything special. I'm using those words. Yeah. That are I in my spell become, they manifest into a physical sigil. I wish that I had had any sense of forethought and brought my little sigil book out of my witch drawer so that I could like flip through it because I, I do which I'm jumping around in here. I do what she does. She suggests that you create symbols that literally symbolize to you certain words that, that in, encapsulate in an image what a certain word means to you. And that's what I do. So like this book is great. It's got a whole workbook section of like she gives you words and then you're supposed to brainstorm and draw a symbol. So like achieve community, things like that. I have done that. So I have a little book. It's super cute. I got it at the Renaissance Fair. Um, but it's like I have a I have a symbol for good. I have a symbol for fortune. I can put the two of them together to create a sigil for good fortune. Right. So I right. conceptualize sigils in a very different way, where for me, it's very much about encapsulating an idea versus manifesting a specific statement. And I think that that also is really indicative of the way that I approach magic in general. It, uh, very rarely do I try to do a specific thing. It's always more about like cultivating an energy. So like I wouldn't be, I'm not the kind of person who typically like if you go, oh, I need like somebody's sick in my family. I'm not going to go, okay, to address this specific sickness, this is what I'm going to do. But I'm more like, how can I manifest healing energy, a healing mindset in that person? So I think that that is an important distinction. If you want to manifest like a specific sentence, I think that chaos magician sigils are actually probably more effective for that because it really does take that into consideration when creating the sigil. 
I think it's more effective if that's how the person thinks, right? Yeah. I think it's effective for me because this is how I naturally want to go about doing it. Because, you know, it, I can't just, a lot of people can say, okay, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to make my mind go blank. And that's hard for me. But if you give me a yeah. mantra, if you give me something to just say over and over again, now I can just zone out. I'm not thinking about anything because I'm really not even mm-hmm. thinking about the words if I don't want to think about the words, but I have those words in my head, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So for me, creating sigils, I like that. I also like, because I also feel this idea of tradition. Um, yeah. I like using a lot of um, hoodoo symbols, voodoo symbols that I have seen adapted in my family when it comes to Santeria, which I don't know because I never really asked, did they ever cross over into something else? Are they doing something else? Is this strictly Santeria? Because I know that in my family they do things their way. They've always mm. done things their way. So yeah. I don't know how much mixing there is. So for me, I like to use symbols that I have seen growing up. And some of my favorite symbols are actually Taino symbols. Mm-hmm. Because going to Puerto Rico in the summers, um, you see Taino symbols, you know, the coqui or the huracan or the sun or, or, or Atabe, um, who is Mother Earth. So anything to deal with the earth, I can quickly draw a very crude, right? figure of Atabe, which is we've seen in in different places in Puerto Rico. So for me, a lot of my symbolism, whenever I draw the sun, I don't draw the sun the way everybody else does, because to me, that's not my sun. My sun looks like this. It's a Daino Mm -hmm. sun. Um, So I think that we all have images like that, whether it's pop culture or our own historical family culture that we can draw into to take that energy and to make the symbols. I also don't think it's wrong if you get a book of sigils and you want to draw them, right? Agreed. But they should they should start to become a part of you. You should start to you should recognize them. Like if you go yeah. somewhere, you should be able to see a sigil and go, I know where that's from, or I have an idea where that came from and what else is mixed in there, you know, with them. Um Ooh, this brings up a very what? good point. So specifically from Chaos Magic, but she discusses it throughout the book in context of her sigils as well, is this mm-hmm. idea that a sigil is supposed to become part of your subconscious or your unconscious Mm -hmm. and so for chaos magicians when they make their traditional sigils they tend to like burn them or destroy them in some way so that you don't remember them and i really liked her approach to this because it's it's my exact approach this idea that you know yes it does it should become part of your subconscious but after a certain point if something is a part of your environment it does just naturally become a thing that your brain kind of scans over. And as someone with ADHD, most things are things that my brain just goes, okay, we don't have to worry about that. Um, We'll we'll deal with it later. So her analysis of that leaves room open for permanent sigils, for sigils in a painting, for sigils, you know, reusing sigils from people who have already created them because in a tra- in like that very strict chaos magician way, you shouldn't be able to do that because you are con- you're thinking about it. But right. you know, no, I'm not. If I tattoo a sigil on my body, I am absolutely forgetting that that thing is tattooed on my body at some point. Which is like a thing that I do sometimes. I like people will be like, "Oh, I like your tattoo," and I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah, I am tattooed." Duh. Yes. Which one are you talking about? Because your brain just boop, puts things in boxes and deals with them later. And I think that, you know, when I make a sigil, I don't want to forget about it. Sometimes they're pretty. Sometimes I do a really good job and they're like a little art piece. So it's it's nice to have another analysis on this idea that it needs to become subconscious. Because, like, yes, I think that's fair. But also there are ways to do it that still allow us to enjoy the sigil long term. I think it's very personal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to have, and I know people who have sigils on their bodies. I think she showed pictures of her uh, yes. tattoos. You know, I think the symbolism of burning it or destroying it is, again, to release the energy yeah. of the spell so that, okay, it's burned, it's gone, it's done. But again, I think that's, that's individual. You know, who feels that they need to... Yeah. And she lists a ton of ways that you can do the sigil besides just, like, writing it on a piece of paper and burning it, besides just tattooing it. You, I mean, she even suggested, like, doing it 
um, with herbs, the crushed up herbs, or planting. Planting your plants in a sigil, like galaxy brain shit right there. I love that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so for all the uh, garden witches out there, you can actually plant your stuff in a sigil How formation. How did I not I think about that? It's so smart. I never thought of that either. See, that's what's great about these books. Like, even if you think, okay, I do sigils, I, I do stuff, I know stuff. Yeah. You pick up a book, and one, it's just refreshing. I love the way she writes. That's the other thing. I agree it's, completely. Uh, this is a really great book, just very well written in that aspect. But then you you learn things, and you go, damn, girl, like, yeah. She does course, a whole section on, now. Um, on, like, art supplies, which I just thought was so nice. She mentions yeah. my uh, my Micron pens, right? Because they're they're really nice pens. Like, if you have the opportunity, you can get them on Amazon or like a Michaels or something. They're like ten bucks for a pack. They're really nice, and they're archival, so they last forever. She talks about like what sketchbooks to get. I mean, that's not something that I would think of as a witch writing a book about sigils. But hey, good advice. Thank you. Yeah, it is good. Did I really loved what she wrote about graffiti? Yes. And I thought of you immediately because yes. of what she says they are on. So do you remember? I'm going to find you the know, page. She talks page 34. Yes. Tagging and graffiti. 34. That's really early in the book. I feel like I thought it was late. Yeah, it is early in the book. No. Yes. I literally wrote, I love this and underlined the title like four times. It's found yeah. on liminal spaces. I usually. love liminal spaces. Liminal right. spaces are my favorite thing. <laughs> graffiti is a kind of art that is made in defiance against what is expected or allowed yes first of all correct thank you for treating graffiti like an art form because it is second right. of all thank you for recognizing like the actual thematic parts of graffiti as an art form third of all fuck yeah liminal spaces yeah i love this <laughs> section so much i'm sorry i'm just really excited about it so she gives you a whole chapter on guidance. So for yes. somebody who has never done sigils and is thinking, okay, how am I even getting started? Um, she does take you, I, I want to say step by step, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Getting, um, getting over getting it wrong. I love that that's in here because I feel like yes. that's page 137. I feel like nobody ever talks about, you're going to mess this up probably. A million times, yeah. I feel like every witch book needs to have the, okay, so you screwed this up? All right, get over yes. it. This is how you move on from it. Because yes. I think so many times we look at these books and we think, oh, God, so this should be easy because they're telling you how to do it. So I love that she tells you how to, like, fix that, right? How to go yeah. from simple to complex. It really is what you think. Like, for me, the simpler it is, the better it is. You know, I love to look at intricate sigils. I love it. But I know that that's not because I don't draw. I'm not going to get lost in the beauty yeah. of what I'm making. I'm going to get lost in the this just came out crooked. Now I got to start all over again. Um, so I would rather go simple with my sigils. Absolutely. I also love that. I love the way the book is broken down because she start. It's is a very basic step by step which is super useful for like someone new at this because she starts out with like, these are the different forms. Here's a dot. What does a dot mean to you? What does a line mean to you? What does a dotted line mean to you? Now let's put them together. What, how do we symbolize different words? Okay. Now let's practice creating sigils based on, you know, paragraphs. She gives us like different scenarios to play out and then her examples and then at the end, she gives us a whole section of sigils that she has made either for magical use or like she did sigils for a bunch of cons. This book, I, you could teach a class with this book. Mm -hmm. You could. It's, it's very well organized. It goes at the right pace for beginners. Um, I think if you're not a beginner, I would get this on Kindle. Because I think the text is more important than the workbook at that point, if you're, like, really comfortable right. with sigils already. But um, I was shocked. I was shocked by how, how effective I felt it was in communicating and educating. Right? Like, as a teacher especially, yes, start from these basic forms and slowly move up. 
give a lot of practice, a lot of examples, show examples from lots of different contexts. It was really well constructed in that regard. Yeah, I don't think it matters where you are in your sigil journey. I think people should pick this book up. I agree um, completely. Yeah. And I also like what she talks about tracing. Yes. She doesn't think that it's going to teach you more. And, I, and it made me think of how fixated we are with this idea of having everything look great. And I think yes. we have to, I think we have to feel that when we're doing whatever it is we're doing, it can be the ugliest spell, it can be the ugliest looking thing. Um, but what did you do? Like, what do you feel you made? You know, even with the house that I gave you, the wax from the little chimney candle like dripped. And my first instinct was like, oh my God, no, I can't. And then I thought, why am I getting freaked out about this? Yes. It's part of the spell. Candles drip. It's fine. Like it's actually okay, you know? Um, but we do get caught up. And I think that's why people go to tracing. I've never traced a sigil, mostly because my sigils don't go on paper usually. And the ones that do, I'm doing with words. Mm -hmm. I will put them on a candle. So there's no way to trace with a candle. Right. So I've just gotten used to having, you know, wonky things yeah. on there. I think um, it just makes me think of like our Instagram because I think that our Instagram could grow faster if we were like doing photo shoots all the time and like carefully curating all of these pictures to look as witchy and aesthetic as possible. But that's not who we are and that's not how we do our actual practices. And like, do we sometimes get really, really good pictures? Yes. Right. Absolutely. But sometimes it's like me drawing a sigil on a post-it note because that's the way that I did the spell. And it's more yeah. important. I think this is a greater conversation that we're having as a culture that the aesthetic of perfection is not actually as important as the reality of our lives. And I, I, I think that it's not, you know, that's why we argue about social media all the time. It's why... Um, people are really afraid about young kids getting on Instagram. It's why the Instagram changes to the algorithm are always so detrimental. It's why Facebook is a problem. Because it's all about this perception of perfection, this aesthetic of perfection. There's no problems in my life. I'm a rich girl who goes on vacation all the time, and here's my vacation in Bali. But that's not real life. And real spells are not <laughs> the spells that you see on Instagram where, like, 16 candles have been lined up and are perfectly dripping and there's a, a black scrying mirror and she's got a like they're beautiful photo shoots but they're not reality and we have to start romanticizing our reality okay you're absolutely right i'm not going to say you're not right but i think the problem is and maybe it's because i'm an adult go you know who did not grow up with social media so yeah. you know I look at Instagram my own account and I'm not posting everything because quite frankly why am I posting my real life like if I get dressed up or I like where I am yeah. or I like a particular photo I post that because I don't know to me that's just it's kind of like a game like it is my real life but it's not my day-to-day -day life you're not you can't go on Instagram and say you know me based on the yes. pictures that I've posted. But you're and also think, not like photoshopping all of your photos to have a 10-inch waist and like paler right. skin. Right. And I think that's the problem that people yeah. are, I don't know, I just, the idea that people are getting paid to be influencers, to influence people just to post, like that's insanity to me. Like what are it you It absolutely is. But if anybody is listening to us and wants to pay us... <laughs> Like, I'm trying to think of, like, big name witch people. Llewellyn, if you want to pay us to be witchy influencers, I will absolutely do that in a heartbeat. I am a sellout. I know myself. <laughs> See, I only like talking about things that I like. Like, not that I don't like Llewellyn, but I'm just saying, like, oh, yeah. don't they have to, like, say everything is great, even if you don't use it or you hate it? I A lot of them always say that, like, I don't... I don't do products that I don't like. Like I won't support products that I don't like. But like if somebody emailed me and was like, I'm going to give you like a hundred thousand dollars to do a, like three YouTube videos on my tooth whitening kit. 
And it even if it hurt my teeth, I'd be like, yeah, that's $100,000, bro. I'm going to do that. Okay, I think so that's I... just poor people mindset right there. I, I think like a poor person. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, $100,000? Hell yeah. I could do so much with that. I could pay off my student loans. Um, okay. I feel like we've gotten into like a really weird like area now because yeah, who doesn't want the money? But I, I see, I guess, cause I don't think anyone's going to ever say that to me, but I don't think I could. Like, I mean, I, I there's obviously think... like a border, like they can't be like, Hey, can you, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars to make a video supporting my fast food chain that actually uses like puppies for meat. I'd be like, yeah, no, that's, that's messed up. This is a moral, see, this is, this goes back to the three keys. This is a moral question. You have to know yourself. You have to maintain balance. And then you have to accept responsibility for the fact that you are supporting products that you don't actually like. If you can't live with that choice, you shouldn't do it. I mean, I feel like if it was a product that I used and it was a big business, I would take their money. Hell yeah. But if it was, if it was a company that I like, and most of the places that I shop at, you know, they're all small businesses. If somebody yeah. just said, can you just talk about my business? I would, I would just do it without taking any, why would I take money? I like your product. You have yeah. a good product and I'm going to support it. I'm going to pay for it. Um, and I'll talk about it. Like I have no problem doing that. I don't know. And that's probably why I'm never going to be rich because I just don't, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. Apple, yes, I use Apple products. So if Apple wants to like pay me, Yes. But I don't Give think us a Apple whole new suite about... of like MacBooks for the podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Like we would take that because they have the money to burn. But yeah. yeah, a small company, like they don't have to do that. Like if I like your stuff and you feel like I can help you in any way, like I'll do it because yeah. that's it. I don't know. How do we get on this weird thing after talking um, about, um, we were talking about tracing and we got into this weird. Oh yeah. We were but... talking about sigils because we were talking about the aesthetics of perfection and how we have to, we have to let right. ourselves be bad at stuff. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And yeah. Plus, seriously, like the first time first time you carve a candle, it's going to look horrible. Unless you're really you lucky anything. and talented. Yeah. But the more you do it, the better it's going to look. So if you feel badly, just, you know. There's like and a, some a people... quote. I think it's from Adventure Time. But it's like um, being bad at something is the first step to being really good at something. Oh, I like that. You, you, you don't, this is something that I think, especially for millennials, like we need to hear. You are not just naturally good at things. You have never been naturally good at things. There are just some things that you were better at when you started because of skills that you already had. Like n- none of us were born actually just naturally talented. Yeah. We all just found things that were suited to the skill sets that we had started developing. Oh, wow. Right? Like, if you're a baby with really, really good finger grasp, as you grow up, your fingers are probably going to be stronger than other people's fingers. Maybe you're a pianist. Maybe you're a a painter. Got it. You know, if you start talking very young, you're going to have more words by the time you're older. You're not born with those skills. Well, that's kind of sad, isn't it? I like to oh, think yeah. that maybe we were born with something that we're good with. Like, that just makes it sound like, oh, you just, you got lucky. I don't know. Just... I like it better that way because then it means that if you practice something, you can get better at it. I don't like to conceptualize anything as being um, innate talent because it implies that there are things that you can never be good at unless you're born good at it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And sigils are a great way to practice failing at stuff. There you go. But if you can draw, you might have a leg up. Yeah. Be able to do this, you know? With the aesthetic part, yeah. You still gotta get yeah. the magic part down. That's true. So is there anything else you want to talk about with this book? I think everyone should buy it. And it's Yeah, great. I agree. Yeah, and it's available everywhere. But, you know, before you rush off online... Um, Think about the small bookstores. They might have yeah. it. Um, try to buy from those companies, uh, companies, those those stores. You know, even if you have to like root around to find it, try to find it. Even if it's online, try to find it from one of those shops and yeah. support them because, you know, we're all shopping for the holidays now and people are hurting. Stores are closing yeah. down all the time. So this is the time to really think about it. 
Um, we talked about the Undead Dark Club, and I know for a lot of people, they're not going to be in Barcelona, but I definitely um, contributed because I think it's important to think about people's problems right now, you know? And if yeah. you're lucky enough, like we're lucky enough that we can work, you know? And I am yes. forever grateful, and it's a big privilege to be able to work at, during this time and to be safe during this time. So I feel like I have to shop a lot. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> You're not there are a lot of markets. Yeah, there are a lot of markets that have been going on that are still happening, that are going to keep happening into December. And if you can, buy something from somebody because you will just make their year. You know, yeah. the people are so happy. You know, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of online shopping from small companies. And every single time I shop from a small, you know, business, I get a note thanking me, Aww. like a handwritten yeah. note. Jeff Bezos never sends like candy or like extras with his gifts. Oh, please. Yeah. Speaking of, oh my God. So I ordered all this stuff and I'm not going to say what, because some of it was for gifts. Some of it was for me, uh, from Emporium 32, mm -hmm. which is one of, our favorite shops in Salem and, and now they are redoing their website. So I have a feeling I have to go back on there. <laughs> um, but they sent, it was before Sarwin and they sent little like toys that you would get when you were like the little fake teeth mm -hmm. and like candy and like a bat. And I, I have all that stuff and I love it. You know, who sends that? Who wraps it up like that? Yeah. Like you said, Jeff Bezos isn't doing that. Hell no. You know, so you matter to these small businesses. You really do. And, you know, I hate saying, oh, that place is gone. I wish I'd gone more. No, you could still technically go by going online. Yeah. You know, so really think about the businesses, even if it's a business that's not near your house, but it's a place that you do appreciate. Like, you know, we go to Salem. We used to go to Salem. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I'd like to go back to Salem and find all of those same places still there. Still I want to see them all yeah. standing and doing well. So By the way, Jinx, that's you just. Oh, what did I say? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's my best witch laugh that I've done in quite some time. That's a great witch laugh. All right. Speaking of Crystal. markets and um, buying from small businesses, the uh, Moon Serpent and Moon Yule Market is on the 18th of December, and yep. you might see us doing something for it. Maybe. Who knows? Quite possibly. That's, you know, it's an option. Um, but what I do want to talk about before we end the podcast for today is um, this year's Yule Surprise. Yes. So last year we did a, um, like a meditation and uh, reflection workbook that has been super fun and I'm really proud of it. But this year I think we wanted to give back a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. We did our Samhain giveaway and it ended up being so super fun that we decided that we are going to do a Yule giveaway. Do you want to tell people what they are? Yes. There will be 13 total prizes, three grand prizes, and then 10 smaller prizes. It'll be on Little Instagram. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you're, it's, they're really cute and I'm really excited about them. So I hope you guys are really excited about them too. All of the rules will be on Instagram as far as like posting and commenting and that sort of thing. So follow us on Instagram at witchspaceco for all of the rules and regulations. It will be um, US only, 18 plus to enter because of legal reasons. But I do want to tell we want to tell them what the, the three grand prizes are. Sure, if you want to, why not? So the third prize is a t-shirt. Which With our logo on it. Ah. Yes. <laughs> um, the second prize will actually be Gemini's signed copy of Sigil Witchery, the book that we just discussed, as well as a witch face t-shirt. And the grand prize is what I've been referring to as the box of stuff, but it's uh, a bunch of witchy items that we have gotten in a variety of ways that I think is going to be a super fantastic Yule present. Um, there's a tarot deck in there. There's a handwritten spell from us. There's a bunch there's of... There's a t-shirt. Really, there's a t-shirt. There's a. It's going to be a really great grand prize. So if you're interested in any of those things, or if you're interested in just, you know, keeping up with us and, and knowing what we're doing on a daily basis, hit us up at witchspaceco on Instagram. Um, and keep emailing us because it's really nice to get emails 
I, I find that they're like more in depth than you can really do in the DMs. So that's yeah. witchspaceco at gmail.com. And I also wanted to add that we're not going to be a part of it, but you should still join. It's the Full Moon Magical Market by Moon Serpent and Bone. That's going to be Saturday, November 28th at 6 o'clock. So that's moonserpentandbone.com. So that is the magical market. So the difference is um, magical markets are really geared towards witches. And the oddities market, the, the Yule market, is more of an oddities Um it doesn't mean that they don't have witch stuff, but I think that's how it's divided up, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So, you know, definitely check them out. Go online, start your shopping, and then the next one is December 18th, the Yule one. This was a really fun book, and I'm really excited to, to wrap up the year. Everybody, keep listening. Keep track of us on Instagram. There's going to be a lot of cool things coming your way. Thank you so much for listening to us, for giving us the platform to be able to make these podcasts every moon well you said that we were wrapping up for the, we're not wrapping up for the year yet this is our last book for the year oh yes but you know right? we've okay. only got two more podcasts left that's so true yeah we're, we're coming year. close yeah. to the end i know i can't believe it year two i know we're so old now oops <laughs> we're like podcast grandmas there you go <laughs> <laughs> thank you to sean mcshane for our intro and outro music and remember if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs>